Whoever said less is more hasn't heard my laugh. Having me as a friend is more fun than a barrel of monkey pox. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was it took me a second because I thought you were just going to say monkey and I was going to be like, it's a plural. It's Damon. <laughs> <laughs> there you guys it's annie's girls it's episode 329 and here's the fucking deal okay my co-host og of the ag who i will introduce momentarily so pretend you don't know who's uh, on the pod we recorded a 17 hour andy scrolls last week then we recorded an hour plus patreon which gets plays we'll pretend that was good French intense on the AG Patreon hour plus you can access that now and then we send voice notes so the guest co-host who you might have heard on the Patreon which I just mentioned it on AG last week is back because I know that this person this guest has some thoughts on Atlanta and I need us to talk about them you know him as writer producer co-host of the amazing podcast you might know her from welcome back to the pod you were just on truly days ago <laughs> i'm so thrilled to have you damien bellino episode i don't know if i said it 329 damien welcome back well thank you so much for having me back um what a treat it is to be back here so so soon and yeah we were sending voice notes about atlanta and i feel I think we were actually really, like, we were generous with our time with Atlanta on the last episode. I think I was, you know, again, drawing parallels, like, trying to be like, this is what Atlanta's doing correct and what Beverly Hills is not doing correct, et cetera, et cetera. But then this episode this week I thought was very, I don't, it wasn't like, uh, like, I was going to say life-changing. That's not the word I mean. It was just like, it, it did make me feel like, okay, like, stalled the season for me in a way. So I'm anxious to chat about it. Really excited to hear your thoughts. So I think you've said that something along those lines to me in a voice note along the lines of like, it wasn't great, maybe that wasn't quite literally what you said, but I was actually kind of charmed by it. And I just rewatched it. I know I just rewatched it again and listened to watch the after show again to be like, was I mistaken? when I watched this episode and I was charmed by it a second time. Okay. I mean, I'm into that. I think that, I mean, if I can just dive in, I feel like Please, Kenya and Marlo's face-off, quite literally for me as the viewer, felt like, it felt like production paused and they were in the driveway mm. for however long. I was into the robot voice telling us like an hour and a I half. Was <laughs> I was into the robot um, voice. But it was like the, the, the production stalled, but the episode had to continue. And so therefore mm. we were watching and I thought that, and I think we talked about this uh, already uh, in voice notes, but that like almost having product producers come in maybe for me would have felt like it was more active. I just felt like we were watching mm -hmm. a total argument about production because I, on one hand, totally understand Marlo's point of view, which is like, you're on this girl's trip. This is a, this is my trip, a.k.a. I was in charge of talking to the line producer to like make this trip happen. And you know that, like, this is what we do on trips. You stay in the house. Like, please stop undermining the show and the rest of us and acting like you can't get a sitter, et cetera, et cetera. And I was, like, on board. And I'm very into my girl Candy telling Kenya so much. 
But then, of course, like the flip side of it is like Marlo over the last four, three, four plus episodes has been gunning for Kenya as usual, but, you know, does take the low blow. And so I understood her being like, you're not going to dictate how I'm going to do this trip. But I just felt like the whole fight was about the show. And I, that's when I was like, I was watching that sort of, what do they call it? A standoff in like a Western where mm-hmm. neither of them would budge from their point of view. And I was like, ladies. And then it's like, then Monietta gets her first confessional to be like, I just want us to feel like we should. And I was, I was kind of into it. I was like, I was like, I'm not sure Monette has the personality for this, but I was sort of into her first confessional being like, I want to say something, but I don't know either of them that well, but like, what the fuck Mm. are we doing? And it was like, to me, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? And I don't know. I'll, I'll pause it there. I have some more things to say, but I'm curious, like what you thought of that standoff. Well, I mean, I feel like the question is, what the fuck are they doing in the sense of, is this a fight about control of who's going to be allowed to film, control of the narrative? It's the tension of these women who obviously don't like each other being forced to film and Marlo thinking she has the upper hand because she's the host. I mean, what's how do we... There were so many layers and aspects to the fight and to how these women trigger each other that I found really kind of interesting. But the first question I would kind of pose is, why was Marlo in a position, was Marlo aware that she couldn't technically prohibit someone from participating on a cast trip if they wanted to attend and didn't want to stay with her like was she in a position to to say you don't have authority to join this trip unless you stay in the house like the mechanics of the technical plus the friendship plus the personality are fascinating to me I feel like I understood Marlo's point of view from like a logistical point of view because she was like, you are trying to act like you're above me and by Mm -hmm. not staying here, therefore you're not engaging. And I think that even though I like do think that Marlo goes low and I do think that she guns for Kenya and I think also is gunning for Candy in other ways this season – I I do think that, like, the, the premise of the show is to engage and to have conflict and then resolve. And Kenya sort of saying, like, I refuse to. Like, I don't, like, walk in and I'm going to, like, say hello as I walk by you. Like, sh- it, to me, it's clear what's happening now. Maybe she didn't want to start that early. Maybe she wanted to wait till they got to the thing. Like, maybe she wanted her and Marlo to get through the activity and pull it aside. Like, I get it. I understand. But I felt like... There is an inability, like they are both, I don't know. I don't know that I don't, I don't think that Marlo is unwilling to hear Kenya out. I think that that's what's annoying is like, I think Kenya is unwilling to hear Marlo out. Now, maybe that's because she thinks that she has already wronged her enough times. Like, you know, it's like fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame, whatever the expression is. Like maybe she's Mm -hmm. like fool me at 700 times. Like I don't need to do this. But again, That is the conceit of the show. So it becomes one of those things for me where it's like, I get that Marlo's being awful, but you can't sort of just like disengage from 
filming, which is I thought what happened for an hour and a half as the robot voice told us. And then it's like we're watching the like uh, some of the women on a trampoline, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and then and then my girl Drew does that thing that she does where it's like she is. She's I love her. Props. I Drew is having an excellent sophomore season, except like she's continuing to be embarrassing, which I think is serving her. Like we need her at this point. She's shown her value, which is like she's embarrassing, an embarrassing tryhard who's like funny because she's a little embarrassing. But, like, mm. she brought props and, like, everyone, including, like, Andy and Candy on the Watch What Happens Live were like, what? Like, why does she have the props? And it's like, <laughs> it's like she did such a good job with the autograph last season. So now she's, like, always ready for uh. a prop. And it's like she, like, she got one good time, got it one good time. And every other time since then, she brought a wig to that Christmas party. And it was, like, embarrassing. and making mm. It's like I appreciate what Drew is bringing because she is adding a flavor to Atlanta that I'm not sure we've ever had. But certainly had had this type of person on other franchises where it's like the bone throwing. It's like, she like really thought she schooled Fatum. And I was like, uh, mm-hmm. Fatum knows that she's there to be a chaos, a chaos agent. You are embarrassing. Cause you're trying too hard to fight her opposed to just like literally ignoring her, which I guess is what mm-hmm. Kenya's doing to Marlo. You know what I mean? Like Kenya's just like icing Marlo out, like not engaging. I don't know. And now I'm not contradicting myself. Cause I want Drew to do what Kenya's doing, but I want Kenya to engage with Marlo. So I don't know. What do you think? Like, do you, was it annoying to you that Kenya's unwilling to talk to Marla? Um, I think it was, but I kind of circle back to the idea of the, how does the threat work? I, I can't totally let that mouse go because I find that fascinating. It's something I talked about with um, friend of the pod, Dylan Hafer, on his podcast, uh, Mention It All, because we were talking about... Um, Atlanta and to talking about the fact that with contracts these days, they have kind of shifted in many ways from a season long, this is your number XYZ to getting paid per episode. And so this gets into a weird oh, gray interesting. area. interesting. That's how they get paid on. I don't know about Atlanta specifically, but that's certainly the shift that's happened on New York and on other franchises because these women were refusing to film with, in many franchises, were refusing to film with each other. And this is the way around it. And I think also the way around tightening the budget um, and tightening some ballooning salaries was to pay people according to the number of episodes. Oh yeah. I remember when that happened that with Sonia on. and Lou a season with New York and like Dorinda didn't invite Sonia to a trip. And it was like, clearly again, it was a fight about money and about the show. Right. Which is something that Sonia addressed and brought up and dropped into conversation over the course of seasons to follow. Cause she remained upset. It was the unspoken tension of Dorinda saying the trip to the Berkshires wouldn't be healthy for you. It's only one night. Don't worry about it. And Sonia saying, but I need to be there to film. Otherwise, I won't get paid. And it was the conversation they couldn't actually have, but were trying to have without using that phrase. And with it's a lot of money for her, it's probably like 20K that she probably gets paid per episode 100%. or something. Absolutely. It's a significant piece of cash. And like, I'm thinking about that watching this episode because I'm thinking is Marlo, regardless of whether or not, which we can and should talk about, like regardless of of how you treat the quote unquote host of a trip, noting the sensitive circumstances around why Marlo felt that she communicated why she felt like she needed a break, need a girl's trip or whatever. Can you dictate the circumstances around with, around which a person in your cast cannot film noting 
that if you decide they can't film, they could be missing out on a check. If that person wants to participate, but they refuse to stay with you, which I understand is a knock and disrespectful and passive aggressive. Is that something that you can control when there potentially could be a financial impact to them? Like, and they want to be there. I just don't know that, like, how did that convert? What was the conversation between Marlo and production? Or were they okay with kind of letting this play out because it was an interesting element of tension or narrative to the trip? That's what was kind of driving me insane and reminding me less of the Sonia Dorinda of it all and more of Bethany and Ramona on Bethany's trip to Mexico when there was this weird tension around is Bethany going to invite Ramona on the trip and eventually Ramona essentially says it's a cast trip I'm coming regardless of whether or not you invite me and that's what happened but I think the the reason that those this is just speculation. But yeah, and I, this is a total but speculation. But I think on my that the too. difference in those situations is the contract, which is that season with Sonia and Luann. I don't know how it leaked mm-hmm. to the press that I think was that the season that so- Luann was a friend of, or am I totally confused? Um, no, the friend of season was um, "Don't be all uncool." Okay, yes, yes, yes. But that season, it had been in the press that like they were in contract negotiations, contract negotiations, negotiations up until the end. And so the, those two women particularly were being paid episodically. Now, Ramona, to my knowledge, and of course this could also be true, but I don't think that that is the standard for the housewives. I think it is the standard for the friends of, which is which is why I think that Ramona said that to Bethany because she was like, you can act like you're doing whatever in terms of having this trip, but it's mm. a, as you said, it's a cast trip and I'm coming right. because like it's in the contract and – I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to know the nitty gritty of all of that, even if you rewind all the way back to early seasons, like when Jill didn't go on the trip to Scary Island. But then, of course, she showed up. It's like when Candy in her confessional says, Kenya, I think Kenya will show up. And I'm like, well, of course she will, because this right. is you guys are set to film unless like somebody really has, I think, a life conflict, like something's happening. They have a family wedding or they are booked to film a movie. You're usually at filming event. You're usually at the things, you know. And I, I feel like Beverly Hills is the one you notice most when people are like, "Garcelle's not here. Rinna's not here." It's like they're like, "Rinna's in Westchester doing QVC. Garcelle's filming like America, uh, uh, not American the Real? Pie. What's that movie called that she was in the Eddie Murphy movie? Oh, Coming to America. Coming to America too, or whatever. <laughs> American Pie. <laughs> but just oh like, my God. but I feel like you know it was interesting. Like when Ca- Candy said that, I was like, again, this just feels like a vehicle. It's like. Kenya's playing is like fucking with Marlo, but like we know that she's going to show up, right? I mean, I think so. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what, I just don't know. I don't think I knew what, I don't know. I think I know what Kenya's intentions were, which I think is why it bugged me because I don't know what she's going for because she also, like, Marlo was like, don't show up here late and then expect to do things. Don't think you're not going to stay at the Marlowe place because you don't like Marlowe. And then, like, you can just go home. And then she showed up the next day in a pleasant mood early and hung out with Sanya until everyone got ready. So it felt like she was game to play and understood that she had to, which is why I just don't know why it didn't feel like it could get anywhere. And then they went into that weird gem thing, which was literally, like, a thing you do at a gift shop at a zoo. 
So we also don't call it gen gen mining if I don't get to see a mine. I thought I was going to go into a cave. I thought we were getting like a cave-esque experience. I was thinking in my head before the scene played, oh my God, I would have gotten like huge fake diamond, like Claire's accessories. Obviously, Drew could consult on that and like hide them and like have like a fun little whatever. And then they ended up just playing with like river water or something. It was very weird. I was not into it at all. Um full stop I think it was a disappointment to everyone but maybe also calming by how dumb it was which maybe they needed after an hour and a half of like steam heat but um when it came to the actual environment of the trip I don't know why I just found it so interesting like I thought you know inside out or outside in I thought like ultimatum first and how I processed the episode what are the parameters around Marlowe thinking or knowing that she could dictate who would be allowed to film number one and then number two was intention like what was the conversation with Kenya understanding that this was supposed to be a quote unquote healing trip for Marlo because Kenya was on time because Sheree, I guess, told her, make sure you're on time to get there at 9. She literally was running to the door at 9.04. So she understood that she wanted to make herself fit within the parameters or the obstacle or the ultimatum that Marlo set. But then it was like anything but that when it came to actual interaction. Like this was someone who was seemingly working very hard to try to ignore and disregard Marlo in a way that I was like, you, you're lighting the match. We understand this isn't just like taking the bigger, like, well, and to to me, you know, like you're not, it's not even kissing the ring. You're like shitting on her doorstep. Well, yeah. And also to me, it is like, it's passive aggressive because to me, it's like, I'm taking the high road because I'm not going to engage with you. But I know that by not engaging with you on this show where we need to interact with one another, it's going to drive you up a wall. And so I'm going to get a reaction out of you. But then I'm going to be able to say, like, my hands are clean because I didn't want to do this. Well, and also silence is not uh, not engaging. Like, mm. so that's not. Tell me like, that's my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Tell telling- like. Yeah, no, tell me, tell me. No, I just like, I am a person, you probably know this because we have been friends and colleagues for a while, but like, I mm-hmm. do not do well with like silent treatment because like, I feel like, and I know that some people need time to process, but like when you're in a relationship with me, if we're arguing and you're like, have your moment and don't engage, as my ex once said to me, you might watch my head explode because like silent, engaging in the silent treatment and telling me to like have my moment to be, to feel my emotions is like, what? Like we need to feel these together. And I felt like, Kenya acting like I'm not going to do this. Of course, I felt like she knew exactly what she was going to get out of Marlo. And then she was going to be like, look at you. You're like, you're the gutter. You always got to go so low. I wasn't ready. To, I didn't even want to do this this morning. I was coming to go mine for go, go gem mining. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like that to me is in, would make me. In, it's like, I totally understand why Kenya thinks that Marlo is a pain in the ass and doesn't want to engage. But mm-hmm. again, the show. So I also then totally understand why Marlo is like, this is infuriating. Like we have to, we have to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, silence is not neutrality. Yeah. That's if interesting. You are, I like the way you said that. Because, but isn't it true? Like, I, and I know that too, as a defense mechanism, occasionally ignorance is bliss. And I would rather ignore someone or something 
because I don't want to engage with it. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm processing my own stuff. Then engage in a situation that might make me uncomfortable. But that's not being neutral. Like being neutral to me potentially, especially in a social surrounding, is like, hey, how are you? And not hi. And then running off or like hi. And then I and saying an hour and a half later, oh, I said hi to her because I said hi to the group or I ran around a corner. Like giving this someone the silent treatment is not taking a higher plane of goodness or like Fact. godliness yeah. it's it's actually ignoring them which can be very triggering to someone upsetting to someone frustrating to someone if your trigger is in any way being minimized and someone is denying the existence of your physical presence in a room there's no greater route to fighting than to behave in the manner that Kenya did including by the way giggling and laughing and running away from this person because you don't want to engage with them if you don't want to have a talk with them you can say that in like a respectful mature way I'd rather us talk as a group or I, I don't know figure it out it's she's the one on the trip you're gonna have to have a moment with her I don't know I don't know what else to say to that but like to run away and then have her follow like what do you think is going to happen? It's because you're pretending this is a joke, but it's not actually funny. The only person who thinks it's funny is you. Didn't this just happen on another franchise? And when I say just, I mean like within the last few months where someone, two women had conflict and there was like an event and they like were like, hey, can we just not do this tonight? Like, can we not have the conversation that we like need to have can we not have it at this event? And like they said mm. that. And I can't remember where that was, but I remember thinking that, that was interesting because it wasn't like they decided, you know, we're cool now. It was just like, we're both raw right now and we don't want to mm -hmm. ruin whatever the event was. I don't remember what the event, I can't remember what franchise it was on, but I felt like that, I feel like Kenya has taken that approach in the past where she's like with Portia, probably with Marlo in the past, maybe with Nini where she's like, I just don't want to do this tonight. Like we're all out here for Cynthia's wine tasting where she doesn't know anything about Rosé. Let's not <laughs> do this Nini or like, Hey Portia, like we can agree that we hated each other in the past, but are we both have babies now? Let's not do this today. Like we can talk about it another time. And I felt like that was that's I feel like that is one of her tactics. But I think her motivation in this particular episode or that particular scene was just kind of confusing because like she showed up. I know I, I agree with you, though. Like, I don't know what Marlo's M.O. is because she can't control. She's not going to be able to like evict or eject Kenya from the circumstances mm -hmm. I don't know can I ask you know I, again I love to try to find like parallels in mm -hmm. other cities and I'm curious Marlo to me is sort of what is the word like the way that other women view her historically is sort of like oh here she is working for her check always goes mm. low I don't want to do this and I can't think of that many instances where that exists on other franchises like maybe Brandy on Beverly Hills in her later seasons maybe Kelly Dodd at some point on OC where women were like where they thought she was going too low but even then I feel like those I mean I guess Marlo has allies but it still feels like she her it feels like Marlo's history on the show is being rejected by the women who think she's doing the most for, for her check or for story. Oh, wow. You know, like it's like, she's always comes in guns a blazing. Cause she knows that's how to get more episodes, how to make money and to make an imp an impression. But now she doesn't really have to go that hard. Um, I guess theoretically, but 
she's wants to be, you know, she wants to make a good show. She wants to make TV. I mean, I think that she seems like she's leaving this season from what I know or what I've gleaned from social media. I mean, I don't think she's on good terms with Candy and Kenya. I'm not sure where she and Sheree stand or she and Drew and Sanya. I don't know. I mean, that it gets into the difficulty with Marlo when you know that someone's reaction is always going to be mean. I mean, Candy said on Speak On It um, this week that Marlo was saying some cruel and terrible things about Brooklyn, which we did not see. Candy addressed. said that. Yeah, Candy said that. Oh, I know, she said I that know there you, were- you sent me a blind item, but I didn't know that Candy like corroborated that story. Yeah, she did. And I watched the clip of it where she talks about the fact that there were things that um, Marlo said about Brooklyn, which we didn't see evidence of in any way in the episode, which Candy herself said would have maybe explained a little bit more about how hot the temperature got, um, which is an interesting tactic because you you reference Brandy. And this is something that you and I have spoken about one on one, but with the Brandy Adrian surrogacy rumor slash weaponized insult on BH a hundred years ago, a lot of the plot revolved around what we didn't actually know was said, but the reaction to it. It was Brandy saying, Well, here's a thing that I have, and then the women acting horrified, and then the fallout with Adrian and Paul. On Girls Trip, Brandy said something terrible referencing Russell, which the editors, as you and I have talked about, essentially bleeped in terms of like removing the actual like the few trigger words. words. Yeah. Right. But they kept the beginning, the end and the aftermath, which viewers have been able to kind of figure out. It wasn't terribly difficult that what Brandy was saying was, how can you consider your season a success when Russell, in her words, killed himself? Which is a terrible, awful thing to say. To remove entirely what Marlo said about Brooklyn, Kenya's young child, makes me wonder, when it comes to like the actual control of the edit here, did that happen to protect Kenya and Brooklyn because it was just a terrible thing? Or did that happen because Marlo is just so mean that there are only as a housewife, there are only she's only getting like five to seven chances per season of saying things that are absolutely astronomically terrible. And this was just so bad that it would maybe like, not to be dramatic, but like question her positioning as a full. I like, I don't understand why it was removed, which goes into like the aspect of this fight and this relationship as it stands a little bit. I, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that Candy corroborated it. It's interesting that they edited it out. My instinct or my re, like, my guess would be that it was to protect Kenya and Brooklyn, but yeah. if it's Candy and Kenya who are talking about it happening, or Candy, who theoretically is Kenya's friend, that's right, interesting. Um, but I would like to, you know, play devil's advocate a little bit to say that, like, Kenya does this thing where she likes to say that, like, Marlo is so low, so low, so low. But, like, Kenya did say, like, you gave your your son, your nephews away, 100%. which was also a terrible, awful thing to say because. While that, I feel like everyone's reaction to that in the cast has been like, Marlo, they also have recognized that it's a nuanced thing. And yes. so for Kenya to trigger a warning, 
weaponize the <laughs> use of uh, like, <laughs> you know, to weaponize <laughs> that as an insult towards Marlowe, like mm-hmm. was also a low blow. So I don't know. Um, I'm, 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 I don't want to butcher this writer's name, but I've never said it out loud, but Ile Ife Ankanta, uh, who's like, does the recaps for Atlanta uh, Vulture, talked a lot about how watching Marlowe in Kenya feels, I don't think she used the word dark, but she just talked about that, like, they both have talked about their upbringings and their relationships mm. with their mom or their lack of their relationships with their mom. So a little bit watching this whole feud between the two of them over the last few episodes, it feels like when when Kenya's using that information about James and Michael, it's like, you're no better than the people that wronged us. And when Marlo is like, uh, you know, like, you're not wanted here if you don't do it this way. Like, they're in fe- essentially like sort of like rehashing similar traumas that they both experienced, mm-hmm. which I thought was so smart and something I didn't ever think about. Like, I mean, I think I thought about how they're maybe more similar than not, but I mean, it sort of boils down to a similar parallel that we saw years ago with Nini and um, Kenya, who both had complicated and or non non-existent relationships with their moms. You know, it's like that shit. I mean, this isn't therapy, but like it is, you know, Andy's girl is a place I feel like where I like, like it. Cause I feel like it's like therapy a little bit and that stuff like runs so deep. So it makes me sad that, I don't know. I'd love for them to be able to talk about it. Like, I don't need them to be like best friends and pretend like they're besties and going to forgive each other for all of the terrible things they've said or done to each other. But the idea that it's like, we're just going to keep doing this over and over again. I don't know. It becomes, I don't know. It's just not that fun. Like it has to evolve. Even if it's just, listen, she is a fucking nightmare monster. But the thing that Ramona Singer always understood about Housewives, and I don't know that it was contentional, maybe, I think it's probably just her own tactic from the way that she has processed trauma in her life, but she just apologized and won't move on. And maybe because some of her castmates were maybe more emotionally intelligent or more savvy in terms of TV, they accepted it for the terms of the show. And I think that that is what's sometimes hard about situations like this, where it's like, we're at a standstill. Like you guys just you have to have the conversation and you need to move on. And it doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but you need to move on for the sake of story because also that's what makes it so interesting is then watching them be fun and and get to see the things that they have in common and watch them get tipsy and dance and be silly. And then again, they're going to, they're going to unravel again because that's what happens in life. But at least like we need to have that ebb and flow. We can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. But that's the thing when you feel like someone has cut you to the core or you feel cut to the core, cut to the quick, like regardless of whether or not that happened, that was that person's intention. That's how you're responding to it. I think Marlo was at a 15 and was like, I for her, she was thinking, I'm going to allow this person to further hurt me. They're not going to win. I'm going to take control. This is like the highest, most whatever defense explanation and maybe it's deserved or maybe it's not I think about it in terms of like the breakdown that must have been happening at that point and the representation of this person where it's like okay we just had a tussle inside the house they're not going to give me the respect or like basic at a basic level and then we introduce the idea of what both of these women have experienced as you said referencing other 
quasi similar backgrounds that we've seen on Atlanta, including Nini's. And like the idea that for Marlo at that point, just hearing the one-off comment, I guess it precedes the one-off comment. Did Kenya say the thing about her nephews before they refused to drive? Or was that kind I think of it was in the, the in-between? I, I think it was at the very, like, beginning of the argument because it was like Kenya can't go in that car such and such car and it was like just like you left your nephews or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah so I feel like at that point it's like if I don't win this argument I'm taking a stand for everything I'm taking a stand for the ways that I don't like this person and the ways that she has minimized me and disrespected me and now she's referencing my nephews which Marlo had also been told about in an incredibly clumsy fashion Marlo had been... Yes, by Sonia. Oh, yeah. I was into Sonia doing being ridiculous this episode. I thought I was charmed by her. (laughs) I was actually charmed by her, too. And I felt like I watched... When I watched the episode the second time, I'm like, I think they're editing maybe around some of Sonia, like, trying to support Kenya. I couldn't figure out how much of Marlo interrupting Sonia's conversation and the actual conversation was edited out. But I do think oh, interesting. that Sonia wasn't just saying like this person was talking shit. Like I think she was trying to say a little bit. There was an environment here of her sharing her own experiences that influenced that. And I I think there was a little bit more of like, not neutrality, but there was a little bit more of perspective Mm -hmm. that we didn't necessarily see. But I also don't know because it was obviously edited, the the scene itself. But I just like look at the Marlowe element of it all and the Kenya element of it all, knowing that these women have both had incredibly difficult childhoods, difficult relationships with their families, difficult relationships with their mothers, Mm -hmm. and you're seeing them fight. And it's like, how much of this is you battling this person who you both, you both just genuinely plain don't like each other. We get it. And how much of this is like the figurehead of this being an adult woman, a mature adult woman who's telling you that your opinion doesn't matter. Like when it comes to like representation the ways that sometimes our relationships with each other, like interpersonal dynamics can sometimes trigger us as yeah. adults. Yeah. Cause we're all like at the end of the day, all broken kids. Mm-hmm. Like how much of you looking at this, this person, especially when they're referencing loved ones in some way with Marlo saying whatever she did about Brooklyn with Kenya saying what she did about the nephews, Like, how much of that is you looking at this person and being like, well, now I'm old enough to actually say to you, shut the fuck up, get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. You're not going to violate me in this way. You know, like, yeah, the boundaries stuff can be very triggering, especially as we know what we do about their childhoods. And in Marlo's way, in her situation, when her childhood and family dynamic is so closely linked with her now being a caregiver. I think it's very complicated, which is why I was so entranced by the breakdown of it all. Cause I felt like it wasn't just a breakdown. It was like not definitely not a breakthrough, but it was a representation. I think regardless of whether or not they would agree. 
Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really try truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkels-clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen 
is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered home threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Um... Do you think that's too far? I mean, I just think like we're, they're arguing about family. We're having, they're having tense arguments and conversations with their cast members about their um, upbringings and the experiences that they've had, which directly leads into this more heightened conflict where both of these women are like refusing to budge quite literally leading to the fact that we had an hour and a half of cars parked in the driveway. I don't think it was simply because Kenya Hat was in an SUV. I think that there was an awful lot going on, a large part of that due to a fight for control with a little bit of understanding about why the lack of control and the addition of disrespect can be so additionally upsetting not incapacitating, but like blocking. Was this the episode where Marlo talked to, I'm sorry, where Kenya talked about like it it triggering her relationship with Mark or was that like a couple weeks ago? I think that was last, that was the last episode. I I don't know. I just think it's, that was also illuminating, but Mm. I, I, I think if I take it down to like brass tacks, I think my question and why I felt like unsatisfied with the conflict or the episode mm-hmm. is because I couldn't tell you what this fight is about. Like I can't tell you what the inciting incident was, why they are at odds this moment. Like I know that I know that Marlo said a bunch of cra- was it because Marlo's it's like mad that Kenya was sick before like is that what the is that what the root of this is for this current iteration of this feud? I think it was the breakdown uh, and struggle because Marlo set the standard of if you are not staying in the house and or here by breakfast, you're not allowed. Kenya showed up, but then wouldn't acknowledge her. Yeah, but there was, was ar- but there was already something going on between them before they got to whatever it was called, Blue Mountain or Blue blue something it was kenya refusing to say hello marlo saying repeatedly to her i'm getting my glam on i'd like to take a moment with you privately kenya refusing to have a private conversation or frankly sort of even a group one kenya running off marlo chasing after her then kenya which this moment was not caught on camera but you got seconds later kenya saying that essentially don't put your hands on me you're not going to do that xyz um, and then Kenya saying, I'm not going to have a private conversation with you. If you want to say anything to the group, it, to me, it'll be in front of the group, as I said, which wasn't really what she said. And then getting upset when Marlo raised her, raised her voice. Yeah. And then it went downhill from there. And then Marlo was like, you're not allowed 
to go on this activity. And Kenya was like, cool, I'll see you there because I absolutely will be joining you in the other car. I think that what, like, my larger question isn't even about, like, the inciting, like, steps of this particular fight on this trip. But, like, they started out this season good. And then, like, I I don't know, like, kind of where it went bad. Like, there was the argument where, like, Kenya probably had a COVID scare and had to, like, not film. And that started something. But it just seems like it has really swung really extreme based on nothing. I mean, I know that they have a history of not loving each other, but it just feels like it has gone so extreme, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the same question that could be raised with when did things go so terribly wrong with Marlo and Candy? I mean, who is the person to ask? I don't know that it would be Candy who seems just as bewildered by it as anybody else. But at I this think moment, they seem good enough because they were able to at least like connect at the pajama party about what was happening. I think it was the pajama party where they connected about what was happening with the nephews and Marlo said mm-hmm. like, I needed a break and Candy was like, you can't do that. But I felt like that seemed like a pin in whatever's co- I feel like the only reason I know that they're still at odds is because we saw the mid-season trailer where I assume that Candy is telling Marlo that she will go low. If she goes low, mm-hmm. she will go lower. But mm-hmm. I feel like they seem like they put a pin in whatever was happening. Now, whether or not whether or not that was because Candy hasn't seen the episodes yet so didn't get to see Marlo and Sheree laughing on the patio at the Jamaican cooking dinner uh, class. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm sure that there's a lot of things to unpack at the reunion. I just think that like the extremes of the Marlo and Kenya stuff seems like it started from literally uh, a molehill, as they say. But that's ultimately... I mean, that's Housewives, the- right? But it's more than Housewives. I feel like it's specifically Marlo. Like, she gets mean. Things get heightened quick. And it doesn't help that you have someone like Kenya who is enamored with passive-aggressive moves and behavior. And... When you do that with someone like Marlo, when you constantly poke at her, there's going to be a reaction. And conversely, sometimes Marlo reacts when there's really, it's not an appropriate level of fury. It doesn't always match the whatever. It it not only does it, it, it often doesn't. And that's, I think, the question for Bravo that Bravo's had for so many years, not only like some... Uh, questions around how to, you know, um, like justify her life as like a a luxury lifestyle. Right, right. That there have always been kind of questions around that, but also she can get really mean. And sometimes Marlo, a small dose of Marlo goes a long way, especially with reality TV, with conflict, with anything else. And now we're getting some examples of like, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, she wasn't provoked, but we are also getting examples this season of maybe why Marlo wasn't full-time prior, you well, know? Yeah, but I have, I mean, the idea that Marlo is mean is hard, a little difficult for me because, you know, uh, the aforementioned Kenya bringing up the nephews, and maybe that happened after Marlo said something about Brooklyn. I mean, who knows? Um, but, you know, she also, like, says, like, I'm an icon, you're an ex-con. Like, that's also mean, you know what I mean? Like, the ability, mm-hmm. like, constantly remind, like, Kenya doesn't want to be reminded of her past to be weaponized against her. But then it's like two wrongs don't make a right, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I get the instinct to shoot low when someone goes low or, you know, to hit low when someone goes low. But 
I think the idea that like Marlo goes too far. I don't know. I think that Kenya's matching her. I don't see it as an even match. I think that the maybe there's like a thing for me when it comes to like mean housewives. It's something that I don't have. I, it's definitely person specific. But like, and this is not a comparison. I'm not comparing Mar- Marlo to these people. But just to say there have been moments when housewives go particularly low. Brandy, Kelly Dodd, Dorinda, where I'm like, oof, it's, you know, so much of housewives is about conflict and conflict resolution. But sometimes it's just a matter of, making someone feel bad in such a terrible way so consistently that when you start to create that record for yourself where it's like of course you're going to do this because you are x you know of course your name is so and so you know like Dorinda's gonna do what Dorinda does and it just can get kind of sad to watch and I think that Marlo has aspects of that like the ways that she can try to, you know, yeah, I hear you. Hurt, hurt I hear people, you. hurt people, and I just think that like she's on that list, you know. Can I pivot for a moment? Is that okay? Please. Of course. I- I'm curious what your take is on the friends of this far. I'm just curious mm. because, like, it to me, like, I love when new people are a part of it, and I'm curious if you kind of think they're inconsequential, if you think they're doing the most, if they're doing the least, if it's not relevant, like, um. Because we have both Monietta and Fatoum, who is a chaos agent. Who I don't know that we. I feel like sometimes you need an agent of chaos, and Atlanta has doesn't have one right now. I guess it's Marlo, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it what it comes down to. Like, how much chaos can this uh, cast sustain? And I just think Fatoum is like such wild, strange, chaotic <laughs> energy that all I get from her is shrieking and not a whole lot else. And it's like, I'm not going to defend Drew because I do think it's like she is a bit embarrassing. And I think sometimes like the ways that she dislikes these women is because like she ultimately doesn't like her husband. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's not really that person's fault that your husband is telling someone something. And then they told somebody else who told this gal who's telling you like, Okay, um, I think that's kind of embarrassing. But um, yeah, Fatum to me is a lot. What do you I mean, I don't totally get why she's there. I'm not quite sure. It feels like a lot of people. My impression is that and this is just based on nothing. This is just theory. But I okay, think love, that, I love. think that Atlanta and Beverly Hills, I think the idea of having more people, it's like creates more story more Mm -hmm. stuff will happen I also think like whether this is morbid or not I think there is this consideration of like COVID is a thing and when people like it's like there's bodies in the room I think they I think they've seen how like on OC in New York on during these COVID years when you're filming and people get sick then like production shuts down like it gives them options to have different people in the mix but also it just helps them move story and it's a way for them to try out new people and see like is there potential like other me character energy in these friends of so like I'm not mad at it because I do think like I loved the pajama party when Sheree had a couple like stray friends there including Lisa Wu and then Fatum and mm-hmm. I think Monietta was there as well but then there were like even a couple other women 
I was into it because I think like more bodies, just like it's funnier. You get like even just like a person in the back, like the woman at the Kenya's birth, Kenya's kid's birthday party, the white woman who told like yelled at the table for playing. Oh my god, she was so weird. But I love like the one drinking at the beginning, and then she's like, "It's a kids' party, ma'am. Go take a nap." But I loved it because it like it became a filming a reality TV show. This isn't Chuck E. Cheese. It was so funny though because it like made it gave us a meme, and it just like adds. Yes, no, it was a great moment. Extra, like, variables. Extra, like, you know, Mm -hmm. question marks. So I'm not mad at any of the new people. I think that at this point, though, like, they kind of got integrated a little messy because of the way they, like, kind of joined mid-season. And I Mm -hmm. wonder if that's because they were, like, there's not enough happening. I mean, I wonder the same thing with Cherie on Beverly Hills. Like, suddenly, it's like Garcelle's friend. She's, like, suddenly at things. And then Mm -hmm. Garcelle had COVID, and it was like Cherie was with Jamie Lee Curtis. And I was like, I'm into (laughs) it. It was, like, the best part of the episode. It made me laugh. I like her. But I was like, she's, like, now just integrated, and we're just acting like she's been friends with these women, which, like, doesn't make me mad. That is the show. We accept the universe. But it just makes me think that, like, stuff wasn't happening on these seasons. They they felt like maybe behind the scenes. Anyway, I say all of that. Long story short, um, I kind of am into Fatum being a, an agent of chaos just because like it's wild and like I don't know that she's earning herself like a peach but I'm like into it um, Monietta I'm like the jury is still out because she I know who she is like prior to this because um, she was on a show called Atlanta X's um, and I think like maybe she's boring but also maybe there's potential for her like to be something with time because she seems like she, I mean, Candy was at her wedding. So whether, however close Hmm. they are or not, she was at her wedding. And that means to me, like maybe they have some established history. Um, I mean, that's nice that they're friends and I, I am more into her, I guess, than Fatum of the two, but like, I love a group event. I love when there are like friends of who aren't actual literal entitled friends of housewives, but actual housewives friends in attendance. Cause I think it can be kind of interesting. Totally. And I, I love Sheree's little party, but I, I just, for this trip, I was like, oof, it feels like a lot. Like when Fatima arrived, I was like, maybe not this trip. <laughs> I don't know. But that's also because we have the benefit of watching how terribly it's being, <laughs> how terribly it's, playing out and now knowing how quickly it all went aground um it it doesn't necessarily help in that moment I also thought Drew being like get this bitch out of the whatever whatever she said I was like we don't need you here this is when she tries to play up and it's like yeah okay I get it but then you're also just doing the barking noises because we know that you went to Petco at some point and bought yourself a dog. She doesn't even have a dog. So you were just, it's like we're at least Aviva's leg was a part of her body. So she didn't need to bring it with her aside from the fact that she has the let, you know, like it's you brought, it's just so and on Atlanta when these women are like, so highly skilled it's to come in as like but isn't it kind of great Atlanta no it's not I think it's a brave no I think I think isn't it kind of great like oh I was like she's not getting the profile and courage award for going to PetSmart when when a franchise with all respect to Candy because I think she is important in her very own way which is like in Mm -hmm. wealth and in like alpha confidence yep but like when you are Ooh, alpha confidence, when you are the when you are the city or the franchise that has Nini, Portia, Kenya, Phaedra, and then you get somebody in whatever season we're in twelve who's like 
such a flop at trying to make a moment happen. I kind of love it because it's like we had so many pros on this franchise. I mean, fucking Claudia Jordan was so fucking whip smart and oh, funny. So, so the idea that like we have Drew who's like has occasional moments where I find her to be charming and funny, but then like is also has these wonderful moments where she's embarrassing. I'm like, I love it. Like, cause we don't, it's like how Tanya, is that what Tanya, that's how we said her name. I love Tanya because she was like a different flavor of anything we've ever had on Atlanta. She was kind of a goofy dork and like had a funny laugh and like, it was just a different type of woman. So I like, I'm appreciating Drew a lot. I'm glad she got a second season because I think a lot of people would have advocated for her to go just cause it was like, oh, she, cause her try hardness was maybe like embarrassing mm-hmm. but now i'm like there's value in that rather than everyone can't be like a sleek whip smart funny like we can't all be that like ever there needs to be other types of people in the mix because it adds it's what creates conflict and also it just adds a little bit of variety yeah no i mean like variety it's like going to a circus and thinking that the protagonist is going to be the clown which, unless that clown is, like, the grandma clown from Barnum and Bailey or whatever, the one who, like, truly did thread the narrative throughout the circus, which I remember as a child, it's not going to happen. So that's part of the fun, I guess, of Drew thinking that she's, like, on the same level as Sheree because she's not. She's not on that level. So, like, the tension of, like, them fighting with each other is kind of an LOL because Sheree's looking at her and it's like, who, literally, who even are you? Like, no one here respects you like that. But I think that that can be fun. Yeah, like the embarrassment factor of Drew is absolutely, it's kind of, and it's a nice like little element of light because she's totally, she brought it, she, she went and bought herself a dog bone and is pleased with the fact that she did that and was waiting for a moment. In fact, on the after show, when she was, I think, paired with Candy yeah. and Candy was like, you brought a prop like incredulous. And her response was something along the lines of like props, like plural. She had more than one. Yeah, she had multiple bones, she said. She had multiple. Wow. I mean, you know, the nice thing about a bone collector is that like they typically aren't literally collecting bones in the yard. It's truly information. Maybe Drew didn't really pick that up or maybe she thought she was honestly Carrot Top. I was like, I'm your bone collector. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with Carrot Top. Um, (laughs) Carrot Top reference. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think there's something. Hear me out. I feel like there's something similar about like early season Dorit to early season Drew, which is just like this, like we're like really working. The only thing that I think is different is that Dorit came in with like an intention to do something based on a relation, the relationship that was uh-huh. her entrance point. And I think mm-hmm. Drew doesn't have that. So she's operating kind of not on an Island of her own, but she's not like as, as Drew says about Fatum, like she's not someone's lapdog with the way that Dorit was maybe LVPs. But I just think like the idea of like perpetrating a type of life, the idea of like trying to like create a moment, which is like now Dorit, I love and I, I feel like I have respect for her and I like appreciate her for many different ways. But her first few seasons were rough because it was like the accent and like every look and like the husband who was involved in the drama and mm-hmm. 
so I appreciating I'm trying to appreciate those things about Drew because in four seasons she might be like super polished and I'll be like oh I miss old Drew when she was embarrassing and kept like dog bones in her pocket and like outed that her <laughs> husband was on the bench at Rutgers playing like division two football like what position did you play at Rutgers and he was like oh, I was on the bench the whole time and she was like I'm on camera and it was like amazing like production also doesn't give a fuck they put that in there they don't care about protecting her Ralph which like <laughs> you need that's like why you need new blood on these shows because like when these women get so established then they get like fucking mad when that stuff happens and refuse to do shit you need to be able to embarrass people for our entertainment so i just want to pour one out for drew she's she's doing she's doing something good she's doing something right i mean cheers to her on that note it's like the i guess there's a little bit of like the different the transition from like glee to greed of like the glee of being on the show and you're like you'll do whatever it takes absolutely and, you're just so happy yes. to be there. and then the greed of like i need to win i, need I to love that one. I yeah need like to i need to be in the center off. i need to make the most money yeah. i need to be holding the thing in the center opposed to being like i just want to be here i just want to be in the scenes i just want to film with the star and then you're like i am one of the stars that's mm-hmm. interesting. I like the way you said that the the need for the you know, green. Can you writer girl now and again? I saw a Bravo account or like a meme account on my Discovery page. I think um, I'll do respect to the account, but I can't remember. That they posted something about like we're missing somebody, like whether mm-hmm. that's Portia, whether it's Nini, like we're missing somebody in this particular episode because like nothing was happening in terms of like. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of imagining like. If Portia was there, I think mm-hmm. she would have, like, assembled with Marlo and, like, helped maybe try to communicate to Kenya about, like, why it's important. And I think – I do think that Candy, like, is able to talk to Kenya, but Candy is sort of, I think, like, less of a performative housewife than most. So I think that she's mm-hmm. less willing to be, like – like, when she said to Marlo, like, I get your point, but can't we all get in the car and just go to the thing? Like, I appreciate mm-hmm. that because it's real. It just doesn't always help move stuff. So – I bring this up to my question to you when I was coming to record was like, I wonder if you agree. Like, do you feel like let's take the friends out? Like if we just take the five, I think core housewives, like, do you feel like we're missing someone? Are we missing a Portia or a Nini or, you know, insert somebody else who maybe was or what isn't on the show? I mean, I think so. I hadn't considered that until this moment, but I also think like, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I just think that like this season, of Atlanta is like a little bit forgettable in the sense that like I'm not going to really reflect on it after this season is done necessarily which doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it at the moment I just um I don't think that this is like uh I think it's like maybe a little bit of a it's not a reboot. Um I think it is like a soft ca- reset. I think it's kind of like yeah, what they did with the Yeah, it's a little bit of a reset. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what will happen next season. I'm curious to see what Portia's role on Girls Trip will potentially possibly transition into because it seems likely that her spinoff is maybe not going to move forward with a second season, which is honestly to everybody's benefit. Um, I, when it comes to like, was Portia missing versus like, could she have helped? Absolutely. And I think that's where any questions around man, I wish I had seen a little bit more producer interaction during this negotiation where we all understand surely that there was a negotiation taking place with the cast. I mean, I do think like Kenya was doing business calls, but also absolutely texting with producers when she was in the car at that point. And like getting a little bit of that, especially when we saw like a flash of a producer's face, but not anything really else. I think that having somebody come in like Portia who could have done 
more of a job of like less even negotiating getting them to go to the activity and more like let's get into the heart of this I just Sonia did what she did maybe had good intentions um and I really really like Sonia I just she doesn't have the uh heft on this show yet she's too new I love her I really enjoy her. She's got energy to me that I actually find not even bone collecting related, but like sort of reminiscent of Sheree in the sense of like, she's just so darn likable. Mm -hmm. She really is. There's something, it's like she carries the light. And I think in some ways Sheree does too. She just can't get a fucking handle on making good calls in business or even most recently in love from what I'm seeing on social. Um, but I, I enjoy both of them, but Sonia's just not, she doesn't have that kind of, um, she doesn't have that kind of cachet or like status yeah. in the group yet. Or with us, to be honest, totally. versus having a power weight, like, um, Portia in the mix or somebody, I would say like Portia, but there really isn't anyone like Portia. Um, who's really got some power and authority in the cast, regardless of, you know, even how Kenya and she stand, I think how she and Kenya stand rather. I think that, um, yeah, that could have been helpful. Um, but I, I think it, overall, I genuinely was intrigued by the episode. I have to say in watching it a second time, I was like, there's something about it because I think it taps into some dynamics that we may not be able to explore between Marlo and Kenya until potentially the reunion, possibly reminiscent of what was discussed between Kenya and Nini. And it also, for me, like as somebody who doesn't have kids, Mm. I initially, when I heard Marlo saying, you know, like they're going to, you know, like I had enough, they were behaving poorly. They're going to stay with my sister. I honestly like understood that for Marlo as the Monty, as someone stepping in and trying to manage this, that if she felt her kids were like out of control, this was like the, you know, I'm going to threaten you. You're going to have to stay with my sister. It's not going to be Louis and Louis Vuitton and whatever Dior all day. It's going to be a different experience that it was like a, sort of way of for her you know saying this is the way I'm not necessarily going to parent but like you're not going to stay with all of these luxury items if you're being disrespectful or whatever was happening I understood where she was coming from more from that than honestly even like the idea of her needing a break but when Kenya was describing on the episode and on the after show which I think Candy did as well just like without having necessarily the same experience as a child but when Kenya was talking about her childhood and the feeling of being abandoned and what Kenya went through when she was going to live with a different grandmother Mm -hmm. um, her mom's mom I think and when that grandmother said you have to go back and live with the other grandmother and her feeling and being in a position where she already had a lot of like instability in the family dynamics and family structure and feeling torment from that and feeling unwanted, then it kind of clicked to me more where I was like, okay, this isn't like a normal situation 
in the sense that there's already instability happening. These kids have already experienced trauma. You should hold them accountable for their behavior. But, you know, to add to that potential feeling of trauma, even if it's through Marlo's understanding of parenting or Marlo's understanding of self-care, it's just maybe not appropriate, which I thought was interesting to hear you know because that to me was like oh of course now I get it you know yeah I was only thinking about it through the lens of like my experience in childhood and not what Marlo and Kenya had to go through yeah I don't know that's interesting um and yeah that stuff was hard the stuff about the family and like the, their parallels or the ways in which they have this you know a similar background is mm. I don't know kind of heart-wrenching you know yeah, and it's unfortunate that it got soiled because I thought that Kenya's perspective was helpful in saying, you know, this is why I feel a certain way about what I'm hearing about what what Marlo is experiencing because of my own experiences and my own feeling unwanted and and feeling cast aside and the trauma that that can impact and that you can carry with you as an adult and Marlo's experienced that in her life too I mean certainly she is I'm sure dealing with um the impact of what she experienced as a child as an adult and yeah. now she has these two children to take care of yeah it's just unfortunate that it got soiled and I don't know if that conversation will ever take place but I just think how wonderful would it be albeit incredibly unrealistic if these two women could just like see each other even through their trauma and shared experience and just respect each other's experiences without trying to uh shame them yeah. just even in that moment like that moment with kenya at the end of the reunion with with nini where she said listen um if essentially if only you and i we have a lot more in common than you know we've even discussed and like with what you said with your mom and what I experienced with my mom, I thought that was an incredibly poignant moment. And I just don't know that we'll ever, that we'll necessarily get that with Kenya and Marlo. And if that's appropriate, depending on where their relationship stands, how their relationship stands, if that's even real in any way realistic, but I think it would be quite a moment if it could happen. Maybe it'll be the reunion because, you know, Marlo's not going to be able to dictate who's on that call sheet. That's going to be, a different a different kind of event so we'll see in the meantime dating Bellino I'm so glad that we chat I just feel like you you do sometimes talk to me about how I can go on these Beverly Hills tangents <laughs> and I just love that we had an Atlanta specific episode I think that's wonderful me too I am um, I I don't disagree that this is a minor season or a minor work mm, but I do think work. that like I the soft that. reset which Again, I liked the most recent season of OC enough, and I'm enjoying this season of Atlanta even more than I did the OC, where it's like, yeah. I don't know that the stakes are not super crazy high, and it's not like the most perfect cast that we've had before, but it mm -hmm. does feel like they're on the right track to getting somewhere, so I'm enjoying it, and I appreciate you making space for us to chat about it, and who knew that I would be so down with Drew Sedora being such oh a mess? Oh my god, who literally who knew you are riding that bench yeah <laughs> you and ralph route from where where did he go to college i think he went when to Rut i think he went to rutgers but was and he was playing football on the bench okay. though okay but genuine question before we wrap if you are on the football team but you never play you can still say that you were 
Oh, but you don't have a position. Totally. I think she just called her to be like, what position did you play again? And he was like, I was on the bench. I mean, I'm sure he did have a position that was like his, I mean, guess. I don't really know anything about sports, but my guess is he had like, he had a position that was like his, you know, number one position that he was best at, but that he maybe right, didn't they, play a lot. Didn't play it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, great. Sports are wonderful. Um, on a different note, guys, listen, we get into a little bit of a sporty, sporterson, whatever you would call it, things on the Patreon. Amazing hour-long episode. <laughs> no sports are discussed. Um, <laughs> aside from uh, the Olympic trials of unpacking Beverly Hills, apologies to Sonia for that comparison. Um, but it did also win four gold medals, that Patreon episode. Patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and invites to special Zoom kikis and more. And speaking of all things podcastery, Damien, tell the AGs a little bit about you might know her from and what you've got cooking over there with um, friend of the pod, Anne, as well. You Might Know Her From is a pop culture podcast where we uh, interview women and non-binary performers and sort of dig into their oeuvres and get to know all of the nitty gritty, uh, you know, questions that maybe they haven't been asked before, projects that they hopefully were trying to brush under the carpet that we will for sure unearth. Um, and we've interviewed uh, hundreds of women, Kathleen Turner, Mary Kate Place, Kimberly mm. Elise, Margaret Cho, Tashina Arnold, on and on and on, Eileen Davidson. So dig into our archives. We um, are on a little bit of a summer hiatus, but are releasing monthly right now. So um, go check out those episodes with Dot Marie Jones and Susie Nakamura now. Love that. And where can people follow you on social? You can find me wherever, you know, on all the things at Damian Bellino. And it's Damian with an A. Amazing. And guys, follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Shout out to Atlanta. Thank you for an hour and a half in the driveway. Gave me a lot to think about and talk about. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed our less than 90 minute d- uh, new record for us. Actual hour long app. My goodness. Wow. Responsibility. <laughs> it's a matter of responsibility. I don't even know. Words are fun. Uh, guys, hope you're all doing okay. We'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.